Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. Today on the show, I am joined by two of my favorite Johns, DS and Jonathan. Fellas, how we doing? Doing pretty well. Pretty well. Ready to talk some NFL, baby. Yeah. Doing good, Ryan. Thanks for asking. How are you? Of course. Manners. Anywho, let's talk some NFL, like DS said. It's about the midway point in the NFL season. Week nine starts tonight uh, on this November the 3rd. We got an absolutely gorgeous Thursday night matchup of Philadelphia in Houston. That'll be a that'll be a fun one for sure. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to recap the first eight weeks of the NFL season. So we're going to start by talking about some of the biggest headlines or some of our what we think are the biggest headlines in the league through the first two months of the season. So, Jonathan, give me one, two or maybe even three of your biggest headlines so far through eight weeks of the NFL season. All right, so I'll start with um, a major headline that has to come through is the team that's playing tonight. Uh, I would have to assume that once this pod comes out, they will be 8-0, considering they are heavily, heavily favored tonight. But that is Mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles being the last undefeated team uh, in the NFL. If anyone listened to the last time I was on the pod, it was for fantasy football, but I was very high on the Dirty Bears if people don't, People don't forget mm-hmm. that for fantasy purposes. Jalen Hurts. Yep. yep. So good. I was I was laughed at by uh by a coach. I don't know where he is tonight, but he he wasn't feeling the same. <laughs> my Eagles love, but they have done everything I thought they were going to do, and then even more. And I mean they they're winning games, and it's like. Their games really aren't even close. I mean, they're just really blowing teams out. Um, so it makes me think that they're just going to be, you know, they're just going to be rolling. Like they, they're probably going to win tonight by like 30. Um, I think they're the, I don't think they're the best team in the NFL, but I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC and it really isn't that close. Um, and that is surprising because I, I didn't think they were going to be head and shoulders above everyone in the NFC. And then that would lead me to my second storyline that I just want to go to, which is like outside of like three or four teams, the lack of like consistently good teams, if you know what I mean. Like basically like you have Buffalo, Kansas city, Philly. And then it's like, take a step down and then it's like Dallas and I guess like Minnesota and then like you like jump off a cliff and like you have some teams with like good records like the Giants and like the Jets but like no one actually thinks they're seriously like good and like the Titans like I think they're just more like schedule Um, so it's just like the lack the lack of like good consistently good teams in the league. Mm -hmm. Another way you could even phrase it is a lack of what feels like actual Super Bowl contenders. Like, right. There are probably way more because of how many divisions are still very much toss ups. And you would hope that that would still be the case at at the halfway point of the, of the season. But the amount of teams that, 
you would expect to be in the case in the running at this point of season just doesn't feel as high. And that's going to be my first storyline or headline here is just the fact that you've got some perennial powers that are always seem to be in the conversation as Super Bowl contenders that have just flopped out of the gate in the 2022 season three in particular, and that would be the green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the defending champion LA Rams. All three of them are sitting below 500 either in second or third place in their division. And the only reason they're not in dead last in their division is because their divisions are not good, particularly the NFC North and the NFC South. And we can get to that in a little bit more, but just the total lack of consistency from those three teams and their offenses in particular has been just strange and just utterly disappointing to say the least. The green Bay Packers kind of the, you knew that there were going to be some, some growing pains with that offense with Devonte Adams shipped out to Las Vegas and not much of anything brought in, in terms of replacement. They've had some moments with the offense and the, the young up and coming core of receivers, but it has been just an absolute work in progress and the defense has been fine, but it hasn't been good enough to, to overcome the offensive deficiencies of that team. Then you, you go to Tampa and once again, the defense looks good. It looks like it could be very well be a defense for a Super Bowl winner, but the offense has just been unable to score points whatsoever. I think they're averaging less than 20 points a game, which for a Tom Brady led offense is, is just unfathomable. Uh, I know Evans was suspended for a game. I know Godwin's had some injury issues, both at the beginning of the season and a month after that. And Julio Jones, Russell Gage, their, their entire receiving core has been banged up since day one. But even with that, they have so much talent on both sides of the ball that the fact that they are three and five at this point in the season is, is a concern. And then you, then you turn your attention real quick to the LA Rams. Matt Stafford leads the league in interceptions. The defense once again has been fine, but they can't score points for Jack shit. So the, the Rams, Matt Stafford, the whole offense there in LA has got to get it going if they want to rebound and try and finagle their way into a playoff spot. But that's, that's my biggest headline for sure. DS, what about you? So it touches a little bit on what you guys have already said, but I, uh, I think one of the biggest uh, headlines right now, the AFC East and the NFC East are just the two best divisions in football right now on paper. I mean, out of nowhere, the NFC East, as it has been dubbed in recent years, is currently the NFC beast. And the AFC East, you know, I know last year, you know, the Bills really, you know, have been powering through. They've been the, the, the cream of the crop in the AFC East. But now you're looking at the Jets being five and three. I don't think they're that good, but still five and three is five and three right now, halfway through Dolphins five and three as well. And when two has been out there, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle just explode out of their minds and go for just hundreds of yards, multiple TDs. The offense looks insane when Tua is out there. 
in the Pats, pulling up the rear at four and four, still respectable, still sort of in that average range, but that's at the bottom. Then you look at the NFC East, obviously the Eagles, as good as they are, Jonathan, huge on the birds. Cowboys have survived and have been managing without Dak, and they got Dak back now, obviously, who's working his way back. But the Cowboys are good enough where they were able to sustain success with Cooper Rush. The Giants with Daniel Jones is a, now he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback out of nowhere with Brian Dayball in charge and the commanders who are now in the process of selling. Finally, Dan Snyder, you piece of shit. They're still somehow four and four with Taylor Heineke <laughs> picking up the freaking trash pieces left by Carson Wentz and all the ducks he's killed in his life. So you look at all that, how the hell are these two divisions the best in football? It's amazing. Like, I did not see that coming. I thought the Cowboys were going to be at best 500 with losing Dak for that long. I did not think the Giants would look this good this quickly. Don't know if that is sustainable. The Eagles are legit in my mind. And then on the flip side, Miami's legit. The Jets, not really legit because Zach Wilson is trash. The Pats, I think, are still solid and decent for what that's worth. And the Bills, the Bills are a fucking wagon. And they look like a different team than everybody else in the league besides maybe KC. So Mm -hmm. that's the biggest standout to me is those two divisions and how impressive they are, especially at the top. Mm -hmm. And and I like that you brought up kind of your thoughts on team by team on whether you think they're legit or not, because that kind of is a nice little segue into what we're going to talk about next. Right now in the each league, you got the, the top seven will make it four division winners, the next best three wild cards. So based off of the current standings, let's, let's talk some contenders, pretenders. Obviously I think the contenders list is short. Jonathan hit on that big time in his headline. Uh, But let's, let's talk more. So pretenders who Jonathan that is, currently sitting in a playoff spot in either the AFC or the NFC, do you feel is just a bonafide pretender? So I'll go with, I'll, I'll go with two teams here and, and Mm -hmm. because they share a stadium and that would be the New York jets sitting at the five seed. So the number one wild card in the AFC and the New York giants sitting at the six seed, the number two wild card in the NFC. Um, these teams are, are complete and utter frauds. I mean, they're, they'll be lucky if they, if they win a game right now, the jets would be at the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens would, the Ravens would smack them and uh, the giants would be at as crazy as this sounds, the Seahawks, which actually just occurred last week and the Seahawks won and the game wasn't really all that close. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, there's some more teams here, but I'll let you two cover that. But I'll I'll just stick with the two New York teams. I mean, Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson are not playoff caliber quarterbacks. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, the Jets is a is an absolute easy one. Zach Wilson has no business being a playoff NFL quarterback. He's he barely has a ton of business right now being an NFL quarterback as it is. Uh, the lack of consistency by him is certainly not great. Uh, but at least when you look at the Giants, at least like from a statistical standpoint, they seem very passable. Uh, 
fourth in rushing yards. Yeah, the passing could use some help. And then defensively, you look at them, and, I mean, defensively, they do well, uh, but not across the board. It's only in certain facets. They do have a couple of nice wins. They did go beat Tennessee in Tennessee opening opening week. And they did beat the Baltimore Ravens, who currently sit atop the AFC North. Uh, but they really are benefiting, and this is kind of a theme here, is that some of these teams are benefiting from an easier schedule because they struggled so bad last year that they got an easy schedule this year. They seem to be ahead of track, and they're taking advantage so far. Uh, and one team that is absolutely a fraud and definitely won't be making the playoffs will be the Atlanta Falcons four and four is good enough to somehow lead the NFC South, which is a total joke because the Falcons cannot throw the football to save their lives. They, they are, I believe fourth worst in passing yards per game at 162 yards a game, which is just wild, just wild. They allow the fourth most points per game. Uh, so the defense is constantly giving up points. They, they, they're just wildly inconsistent across the board. Yeah. They have a couple of nice wins to their name, but they also have some troubling losses and the schedule while the upcoming slate isn't too, too bad. It will pick up down the stretch. And even though they have a four week stretch where they play the Panthers, bears, commanders, and Steelers after this week against the chargers, I I don't even know if they'll take advantage of it. They'll probably go two and two in that stretch and they'll find a way to be like eight and nine, nine and eight. Now that, that could very well be good enough to win the NFC South at this rate, but I would rather put my eggs in, a different basket in the NFC South, if you ask me. So I I just, I cannot trust the Atlanta Falcons to be the one team out of the South in the NFC to make it to the playoffs. So I I think they're just complete frauds. DS, who's your fraud or pretender? uh, I'll give you one because I I think all my other ones are taken. Um, But (laughs) I I, I actually, I, I do believe in this one though. I don't think the Vikings are... I don't think they're as good as people are making them out to be. Um, six and one is a great start. Uh, like probably the best start they've had under Kirk Cousins. Uh, they're really talented. I think that they ultimately are a regular season team. Uh, I think they will still have success. I, but I don't think that their start is as good as it seems. Just looking at who they've played and who they've almost lost to, like they, you know, to open the season, they crapped on the Packers. They got crapped on by the Eagles the following week. They barely beat the Lions in week three, barely beat the lowly Saints in week four, barely beat the, uh, well, they beat the Bears by a touchdown and they beaten the Cardinals and the Dolphins as well. And okay, like you can only play who's on your schedule. I get that. But at the same time, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. I don't really believe in Dalvin Cook being able to, stay on the field and I just think that ultimately their defense is going to take them as far as they can go because I don't think that their offense is going to be able to sustain itself I just don't see it happening um and yeah that like that really just falls on 
Kirk Cousins. Like, I just don't see him as a playoff quarterback. I don't think he's ever been that guy. I don't think he ever will be that guy, uh, regardless of how good they have looked thus far. I think going forward in the second half, they're going to get the Bills, Cowboys, Patriots uh, in a three-week stretch uh, coming up shortly, and they could easily lose uh, two or three of those games. So I don't know. I, I don't believe in them. I think they're they're frauds. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would not bet on the Vikings. Well, I, I definitely agree with you in the sense that they're probably the flukiest – of the highly uh, record teams, like in terms of having a squeaky clean record, their only loss being to the Eagles on the road. But I mean, that stretch where they're playing Dallas and new England, both of those games are kind of prime time ish games. So definitely going to agree with you there. Thanksgiving against the Pats is prime time Sunday or Thursday night. Uh, so that's a loss for Kirk Cousins. Dallas, late afternoon primetime CBS, that's a loss. At Buffalo, it might be the 1 o'clock game Eastern time, but that's at Buffalo, loss. So, yeah, it could be a, a very quick turnaround and wake-up call for the Vikings, which makes this week's game against the Commanders uh, a very must-win game. In a, in a sense, not, not in a sense that they absolutely have to have it, but it almost feels like if they lose – to Washington here, they're going to spiral out of control. And then who knows if they can pick up the pieces come December when the schedule kind of eases up a bit for them. Now that's pretenders. Let's maybe create some contenders. So let's talk about teams on the outside that are looking in Uh, Jonathan, get us started. Give me, a team on the outside looking in that you think for sure will make the playoffs. So I got to go with the, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles chargers for my team. Uh, Oh, excuse me. They're the seven. I'll go with the Cincinnati Bengals as my team that I think will slide in to one of these wild card spots. Um, They're currently ninth in the AFC. You know, they got Midmar is out for a while. I know DS cries about that. But I just think they're going to be able to – they've got to be able to right the ship eventually. You, since for some reason, Cleveland has kind of governed them. I don't really know why. But, like, they have two get-right games coming up the next two weeks with the Panthers and the Steelers. Um, you know, those should be two pretty easy wins, although the Panthers have been a little frisky lately. Pittsburgh might be the worst team in the league besides Houston. Um, so – I I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a team to me that I think will work their way in, especially with some of the more fraudulent teams, you know, like the jets, as we mentioned before, you know, sitting in the wild card, I think they're, they're destined to, to fall out. Um, I think the Bengals will be able to sneak in there and get one of the wild cards just because they get another game against Pittsburgh. I mean, as I said before, Cleveland again, I, I can't really see them missing the playoffs, especially, you know, they're just too talented to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. DS, what about you? Give me, give me a team that you think is definitely a lock to make the postseason, even though they wouldn't make it if the playoffs started today. Well, Ryan, uh, I spoke very poorly on this team's name way back in the NFL preview pod that we did. And I can't believe I'm going to be doing this. It's, it's a tale as old as time with me and this team. 
The Cleveland Browns. Cleveland oh, Browns. Okay. My God. The Cleveland no, Browns. We're not. The Cleveland Browns. They get no. They get Deshaun back uh, week eleven, correct? After week eleven. Yeah. And then he gets the rest of the way. They're three and five. I did not think they would have three wins at this point. I still think they can muster up one or two more wins before Deshaun gets back. All right. Hear me out. They don't have a very, I would say, easy second half to their schedule, but they still get the Steelers. They still get the Commanders. They still get the Texans and the Bucks, who have not looked good, obviously. Uh, obviously, they still have to play the Dolphins and Bills, but they will have Deshaun back for the last bulk of their schedule. And I think that they will be able to win enough. And the rest of the AFC is trash. I don't believe in the Broncos or really the Colts Titans could even slip. I could see that, but regardless Browns mark it down. They will make the playoffs market. They're, they're also just, I, they, they, hold on. They are too talented with Deshaun too. They should win most of those games when he gets back because they have way too much talent on offense. Kareem hunt, Nick Chubb, who Nick Chubb easily here. Nick Chubb already has like 850 yards rushing. I think he has 10 TDs rushing already. He's a machine. Amari Cooper. He's going to abuse the hell out of him. Like, yeah. Browns. All right. Okay. All right. I can, uh, if you want to ride again with the Cleveland Browns, I am not here to tell you to stop. Uh, Thank you. God, that's 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 a tough one for me to to sell. But let me let me outdo you. Uh, let me let me outdo you on a bold take for a team that's outside looking in. I think the Arizona Cardinals actually have a shot at turning this around. But hear me out. I know last year they just floundered in the second half. They started seven and zero, and they ended up finishing like. 11 and six. So they just absolutely tanked at the end. But now that they have Deandre Hopkins back, you can see that the points are, are flying. The offense seems to be clicking at least from a points perspective better. And yes, the defense has given up a lot of points the last couple of weeks. They gave up 34 each to the saints and the Vikings. Uh, but with a three straight divisional matchups in play, two of which are rematches against teams that they lost to. I think that they have a chance here to really get some momentum going into their week 13 bye, And then coming out of the bye, it's New England, Denver, Tampa, Atlanta, San Fran. I'm not saying that's the easiest schedule, but I think there's a shot like, like they've got a shot here to really turn it around because I think that NFC West is wide open. I don't think Seattle is a shoe in to continue to find ways to win games. Geno Smith has been great for the Seahawks. Yes. And that offense has been really fun to watch, but I don't know if the Seahawks can truly continue to keep winning games. You look as I do here to see what their second half schedule looks like after their five and three start. And I mean, there are definitely plenty of winnable games here, 
for Seattle with the likes of Carolina and Vegas still on the schedule. But I mean, Carolina feels like the only like shoe in game that they'll absolutely win. I mean, Tampa, uh, they've got the Rams twice, San Fran, Kansas city. I mean, even the jets isn't a pushover. They could easily lose that game on new year's day. So like, I just, I think if you want to go bold on a team outside of the ones that I talked about earlier at the start of the show, like outside of an obvious one, like Packers, Bucks, Rams, I think the Cardinals actually low key might have a shot here of figuring things out. Now it's totally contingent upon their defense, figuring their, their shit out, but the offense at least is looking to be clicking more so from an offensive standpoint uh, with Hopkins back in tow. They just need to get healthy and stay healthy. Uh, a healthy James Conner would be nice. And if if they are able to pass consistently and, I don't know, maybe score some first quarter points more consistently, that would be nice. Uh, so that's going to be my bold pick for a team on the outside looking in that could make some noise and squeak into the postseason. Now let's talk about players in particular. Enough about teams. Diaz, give me your mid-season MVP in the NFL. Well, right now, I think it has to be Josh Allen. I There's no two ways about it. He, just numbers-wise, sheer numbers, he's doing the most. He is rushing the ball like crazy, obviously. Him and Diggs, their connection is just unmatched in my opinion the bills i think are gonna end up being the one seed which obviously helps your mvp uh campaign in my opinion and just like going over um alan's uh passing stats overall he's just insane with 2300 passing yards um basically a 70 percent completion percentage 17 tds uh, or sorry, uh, 19 TDs to six picks. He's insane. Um, and I think without him, that Bills team is not nearly what they are. Obviously, they have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Um, but I think that Josh Allen is the complete difference maker with that team. His rise and just progression as a quarterback in this league has been literally has literally coincided with the rise of the Buffalo Bills, um, which I know it's quarterback league. You would expect that. But he was so detrimental at times early in his career to them. And what he's doing right now is just insane. Like, they look like a different team. We, I think we all were saying it, like opening night when they played the Rams, uh, the Super Bowl defending Rams, and I know they kind of, you know, don't look so great now, but they – the Bills just look like they're playing in a different league than 95% of this league. And Josh Allen, I think, is he deserves the bulk, the vast bulk of that credit. And he's my MVP halfway through. Jonathan, would you agree with DS that Josh Allen should be the midseason MVP, or do you have somebody else in mind? I think Josh Allen came into this season and the MVP award was basically his to lose. Um, and I think that, like DS said, I think he's probably lived up to that so far. But I'll just throw out one name, you know, just 
for another one to like keep your eye on my guy, of course, Jalen hurts. If the Eagles are somehow able to go like 17 and zero, which I don't think will happen, but hypothetically, if it did, I think he would be a, like a lock to get MVP. Um, you know, he's having a great year, obviously 10 touchdowns, two picks in the air, six rushing touchdowns already. He's an absolute star, both on the field and in fantasy. Um, you know, if, and they have the best record in the league. So, like, if you're the best player on the best team, you're always going to have a shot to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, another name we obviously have not mentioned yet has to be Patrick Mahomes. There could be uh, a little bit of fatigue there because the Chiefs and Mahomes are always in the mix there for both the Super Bowl and MVP honors there, respectively. Uh, but you have to also give credit to where credit is due. Mahomes has the highest passer rating of any qualified quarterback right now in the league uh, outside of maybe Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, but Tua's missed multiple games, and I fear he's one awful sack away from being uh, not with us anymore. So hopefully that won't happen. But... Uh, Matt Holmes, record-wise, the Chiefs are, are very much in, in the race for the number one seed number in the AFC, and Mahomes is putting up the stats to match for a potential MVP bid. Uh, he's got 20 touchdowns to five interceptions, throwing for over 300 yards a game. Uh, completion percentage is very respectable as well, sitting around 67%. So uh, Mahomes is certainly another name that probably would definitely round out the top three. I would say Hurts, Allen, Mahomes. If you had to throw a dark horse in there, and this would be projecting like for how the season would have to end, uh, projection wise you could throw geno smith a dark horse flyer for mvp but the seahawks would have to just go on a tear here probably finish upwards of like 12 and 5 13 and 4 and for him to do that but he has been fantastic for the seahawks in that offense uh and i mean it's it's very much in play that he if, if the Seahawks were to go on a tear down the stretch, uh, that he could be in uh, the reason why. And so Geno Smith definitely at least deserves a mention there uh, as a potential MVP candidate uh, for the, the whole season. But for the midseason, has to be either one of those three, Allen, Hurts, or Mahomes. Yep. Now, fantasy-wise, let's turn quickly to the world of fantasy football and DS give me your fantasy football MVP for the year. So I was hell bent on just going Allen Allen on this one. Um, mm-hmm. Just because just because of like, if you just look at the pure numbers, he's put up the most in uh, PPR format. Uh, no, I, I, it's not much of a difference, but it's like a 0.6 difference for some reason. Um, but my MVP for fantasy this year is one Jalen Hurts, and here's why. He has 20 less points uh, total in fantasy this year uh, compared to Josh Allen. But I'm going to tell you, I took into their account their average draft position for ESPN. 
So where, you know, the bang for your buck, you know, what, how high did you take him on average? Jalen Hurts, his ADP was 39. So on average, he was taken around the 39th pick this year in all the ESPN drafts. For Josh Allen, his ADP was 11. So a 12-team league, first round, 10-team league, right there, top of the second round. So I'm going to give it to Jalen Hurts. I think that you get a higher bang for your buck on that kind of a pick. You're taking a QB later on. You're focusing on other positions. That gives a fantasy owner more value, in my opinion, and I think you all would agree. And Mm -hmm. I think that makes him more valuable um, for this given season, and that's what I'm going to base it on. You know, not many people were taking Jalen Hurts uh, close, even close to 11 where Josh Allen was taken. And I'm sure a lot of people probably took Josh Allen top five as well. So, mm-hmm. Jonathan, what, who would your midseason fantasy football MVP be? My fantasy football midseason MVP would be none other than a running back, which was taken at the top of the draft. But he wasn't, you know, Jonathan Taylor. He wasn't Christian McCaffrey, although I do like Christian McCaffrey going forward for San Francisco. Ryan, I know you're probably nodding your head over there. Um, yep. I have to go with Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler has been on an absolute tear, and especially with the upcoming injuries to, um, you know, Mike Williams is going to be out multiple games. Keenan Allen has been out basically all season, Ryan, finally. Our, our <laughs> call for Keenan Allen's time to be coming has come again happily. We waited. We waited yeah, all yeah. last year, we, Jonathan. We, we had to deal with a couple, like, I want to say three or four years where Keenan Allen was consistently like a wide receiver one when we were calling for his time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has come happily. Um, but Eckler, uh, his last four games, he went 35, 36, 24, 37 for points. And it's not even what he's doing as a rusher, but he's getting, you know, he's getting all these rushing touchdowns. He has five rushing touchdowns in his last um, four games. And he has three receiving touchdowns in his last four games. And he's coming off back-to-back games before they're by where Keenan Allen was out. And, you know, it seems like now that Mike Williams is out too, it seems like Joshua Palmer or... um, you know, Gerald Everett's been okay, but the Carter there, their other wide receiver, hasn't really been able to, you know, lock in themselves to, like, target monsters. Eckler had 16 targets against Denver and 12 targets against Seattle. I mean, these, that is an unheard of target share for a running back. I mean, it's unheard of. It's right up there with, like, the top. I mean, 16 targets in a game is, is even greater than, you know, the wide receivers. You're, you're talking about double-digit targets. You're talking about the elite, elite top end receivers in the league. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a juicy schedule coming up at Atlanta has to be licking his chops there uh, this week at San Francisco, Kansas city, which is, which, you know, you hear Kansas city go, Oh no. Well, no, that's great for Austin Eckler because the charge are probably going to be losing and it's just going to be dump offs. It's going to be dump offs all day for him underneath, under the flat at Arizona at Vegas. I mean, those, these are juicy, juicy matchups. He's the number one running back in fantasy right now. I, I really can't see him finishing below one. If you want to tell me McCaffrey could catch him, sure. But especially in PPR leagues, I mean, he is an absolute star. He's basically, with the, with the injuries to, um, 
you know, the Chargers receiving cores, as I mentioned before, he is a walking, he's basically a walking 30 burger right now, which is, which is just insane. Yeah. He's, he's averaging about 25 fantasy points in our main league right now, which is PPR. And he's just been disgusting. Like no doubt about it. I'm going to highlight a wide receiver. That is going to be who's going to be my midseason MVP. And I can't believe I'm going to say this because I was harping on him as a don't take it unless the value is their play in fantasy this year. And that's Tyree Kill. Boy, has the Tyree Kill experiment been working to a T in Miami so far. I, uh, I had my thoughts uh, and I voiced them heavily in our fantasy preview show that Jonathan and I did alongside Nick. And Oh my God, I was so wrong about Tyreek Hill. And maybe, you know, talent just plays no matter what, no matter what the scheme, no matter what the system, no matter who the quarterback, but Tyreek Hill has not really slowed down a whole lot. Sure. The, the, when he goes off has been inconsistent. He's done that pretty much every other week, but when he goes off, it has been disgusting. Uh, He's got, He's got four such games of 10 or more receptions for over 160 yards. Four games of 10, 1, and 160 yards or more. That's just stupid. Yes, he only has two touchdowns on the season, so that could hinder him to a degree. But he's already had four fantasy games of over 25 points and he's only had one single digit performance and that was against Buffalo. And that's because Buffalo refused to let him to do anything. Everyone else, he scored at least 13 fantasy points or more and had seven receptions or more in every single game outside of that Buffalo one in week three. So, and he's done this mind you with a rotating quarterbacks because of two his injuries and uh, what was the backup's name? Like Skyler something. Skyler Thompson, Skyler, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was like meh at best. Like not bad, but he was not definitely not good. And yet Tyreek Hill just still put out great performances more often than not. So I I will give I will be the one to throw my hand up and say I was wrong about Tyreek Hill in Miami. And he is the number one ride receiver in fantasy so far. And he's actually the number two player overall in fantasy right now, which if you had asked me that, if you had told me that this going into the season, I would have said, hell no. Like does, is the talent there? Sure. But there's just way too many weapons. There's just, you, there's just way too many question marks in Miami with that team. Uh, They haven't done it before. Like I just need to see it before I can believe it. Well, I'm here to tell you now, I think I'm a believer now in, in this Miami offense, especially from a fantasy football perspective. So uh, Tyreek Hill is going to be my midseason fantasy football MVP. Now, before we kind of go round up the show with some Super Bowl thoughts, let's talk about the Pats. I know we're going to be doing a Pats pod later on in the week and we may or may not have one or both of you on for that but just in case that is not the case i want to get some quick thoughts from each of you on what you have seen and what you think about the new england patriots this year as dan mentioned earlier they were they are four and four coming into week nine so jonathan 
Give me some quick thoughts on the Patriots 2022 season so far. Well, they're very mid, sadly. Um, uh, I expected them to go about eight and nine or nine and eight. Man, I can't really say that I have to digress from that. I think they're probably going to end up eight and nine or nine and eight and either be the seven seed and get their doors blown off at Kansas City or Again. be like the eight seed and the nine seed and, and pick whatever 18th in the draft or something like that. Um, so hooray, like mid Jones, the quarterback looks like he's regressed this year. I haven't been that impressed with him. The defense has been better than I would have expected, but it's, it is what it is. Um, but just very disappointing. I, I have not been impressed with Mac Jones. I don't think he's taken a leap. He looks scared in the pocket. His ball coming out of his hand looks weak. Um, he just doesn't. I was impressed with him last year. Uh, the way he's played this year, he has not. He has not impressed me, and I. I don't think he is the guy. At least right now, he's showing me nothing that he he can be the guy. And that's the worst place you can be because it means you're going to have to go back into the well. Yes. Uh, now, thankfully, they did not have to trade up for Mac Jones to get him. They chose to sit at 15 in that draft and just let Mac fall into their laps. I would have preferred, and I've said this from day one on that draft night going into it, uh, that I would have much rather them have traded up for someone like a Justin Fields. I think they could have made that work much better. The talent was, I think he was more talented, had a higher ceiling, maybe a lower floor, but they decided to do the safe thing, not trade away draft capital to move up and just go with Mac Jones, who felt like a more NFL-ready quarterback, and there has just not been any sort of progress made, it feels like. I'm 100% with you, Jonathan, in that he just doesn't feel confident. And maybe that's just because he's not progressing the way he would like. Maybe that's not because the offense is performing at the way he wishes it would be or that he's performing at the level he thinks he can. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's the benching on Monday night in Chicago, but it just doesn't look good from an overall standpoint. And the fact that we've now flip-flopped a couple of times between Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp, it, it's, just, it's, just not, it's just not been a great time from an offensive perspective. Uh, DS, give me your quick thoughts. Yeah. So they are not where I thought they would be um, at this point in the season going into it, you know, Matt going down that hurts him as a player, you know, developing. And like you guys said, he looks like he has regressed and, yeah, whether you want to – however you want to divvy up that blame, you know, I don't care if you want to give any to the new coaching staff, whatever. Point is, the guy has not been good. No one is forcing him to make some of the throws and the decisions that he has made thus far. Uh, that roughing the passer call on that pick six, I mean, who knows? Like, that could have been – a absolute turning point in the season in terms of if if that was an actual pick six who knows if 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 mac is just done after that i i think there was a real real rift there between mac coming back the way zappy was playing the whole thing that happened on monday night you know 
that was a thing. Whether or not we'll get any more info on it or if we'll see Zappy again start any more games, who knows. But this year so far, like Jonathan said, I think the defense has been pretty good. It's been nice to see, you know, draft picks and rookies like a Jack Jones kind of flash a little bit. Cole Strange, I know, got pulled in the last game. He didn't look very good, but, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, a guy like that is definitely going to have growing pains. But the running game, Ramondre, looks like a potential game breaker at times, which is really nice to have because I like Damian Harris a lot. But Ramondre just – he has a different kind of burst, a different kind of uh, second-level um, speed, I guess. He's able to get there and get through the first level of defense a bit differently than Damian does, which this team needs desperately because – they struggle to get their receivers the ball. They have struggled mightily uh, to involve guys like Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith in the offense, which you have two extremely high pay tight ends. You need to involve them in more than just blocking. Like I get it. Your O-line sucks, but you need to have those guys do a bit more. Like they they're getting paid a lot and they're talented enough to do so. So yeah, and I, I still think they have a chance at the playoffs. Um, their schedule is not a cupcake going forward, to say the least, but they have winnable games. They have a game or two there they can steal as well. But, yeah, uh, it's been unfortunate to see what Mac Jones has been like this season so far. And um, But it has been kind of refreshing to see of like a fourth-round pick in Bailey Zappi being able to come in and win you a couple games while you're a starter who has regressed, you know, had a high ankle. So I don't know. It's, it's a little bit bittersweet, but overall not very good. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's put a bow on that, move on to our final segment uh, before we start to kind of really wind down here, Super Bowl matchups. So I personally don't remember what you guys said for your Super Bowl preseason uh, picks. Uh, DS, I think you picked Buffalo alongside me, if I remember correctly, but that's the only one that I could sort of recall. I picked uh, Buffalo over Tampa, yep. Okay. Uh, so, Jonathan, give me what your preseason Super Bowl matchup was, if you can recall, and what you think it will be now. Okay. Uh, I can't really recall, um, but it sounds to me like if I was going to guess, I probably had the same thing that Dan said, which was Buffalo versus Tampa. Um, but I will revise that now, but only half. Um, you can you probably guess which half I'm choosing. Uh, yes, yeah. Buffalo, I still will pick to go to the Super Bowl. And you know how high I am on my Eagles. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. pick them for the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with their other division rival, the Dallas Cowboys, who I think are rounding into form very well. No. Watch out for them, Cowboys. That's all I'm going to say. Boys. Bills, Cowboys is my Super Bowl prediction at the midpoint. Ooh. Oh God, I don't, I don't, I don't like that one. Diaz, yep. would you? <laughs> Diaz, what, what would you like to make a, a revision or two? See, my my heart would not want me to because I just I, I hate seeing Brady under five hundred and looking like this. But 
I will make a revision and I will keep the Buffalo Bills. And on the other side, I got the Niners. I got the Niners. I think CMC CMC is already looking like a fucking madman in that offense. That offense, if they can stay healthy, Debo, Kittle, CMC, if Jimmy G is just not fucking up, they can they can be that team in the NFC. The NFC, as we know, is down big time. And a team like that could definitely come out. And if the Seahawks start to squander and their sort of uh, glow starts to fade a little bit with Geno Smith and the Niners can come out, win the West, look out, man. Look out. Niners, Bills. I, I just looked it up, and I also had Buffalo and Tampa Bay. So I will also keep Buffalo and sadly make that three for three across the board. I will also change my NFC prediction. The easy play, like Jonathan said, is to pencil in Philly because of the undefeated start, the way they've just been dominant across the board, piling up the points. The offense puts up points no matter what method it is, whether the defense is chipping in, the offense is going through the air or just running it down your throat. It it hasn't mattered. Philly's been just a multidimensional just points per game machine so far this this season and the defense has matched them tit for tat so that would be the easy one i am i am really tempted to also go bold here and say that the new york giants have like this just no this magic to them that danny dimes the duke kid is finally gonna make some noise, not just in the regular season, but in just have a magical little postseason record. Their their record in one possession games is is really good, and it's not like they're just winning games at home too. Three and one on the road. The problem that really scares me is that they're zero and one in their own division, and that was a loss to the Cowboys when Cooper Rush was still the quarterback for the Cowboys. So. The fact that they haven't had a crack at the Eagles yet and they lost to the Cowboys backup, that 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 gives me pause there, and which is why I circle back and I will take the easy way out here and pencil in Philly. So give me Buffalo Philly as my midseason Super Bowl pick. All right. Now that is all I have on my agenda here. Are there any other topics that you guys would like to hit on before we call this a wrap what say you jonathan um no um i'll just i'll uh, i'll say this uh it was nice to have a interesting um nfl trade deadline for once Mm. Um, oh yeah you know i it was felt a little nba-ish honestly um you know bradley chubb tj hawkinson those were like the main deals you know, McCaffrey got traded prior to the deadline, but you know, some real names got moved, which is something you don't really see. Midpool, mm-hmm. DS your guy. Yep. Yeah, there were a lot of guys that got moved. I think they set the record for most trade trades at on the deadline day in NFL history. I think that it was when all was said and done, ten people were traded. Uh, I. 
did you mention Calvin Ridley being dealt? I know that's kind of an no, afterthought. No, I did not. But that that could be a sneaky big move next year. Yeah, Jacksonville that could pay dividends as long as Calvin Ridley is the same Calvin Ooh. Ridley we're used to seeing. Uh, Naheem Himes could low key be a sneaky good pickup for the Bills. I mean, they good. they don't necessarily need the the running back help, but that's another receiving weapon. Nahim. Naheem Hines is, has great hands out of the backfield. Josh Allen will love that. Um, and, I mean, Chicago traded a pair of defenders away in Roquan Smith to Baltimore and Robert Quinn to Philly. So those teams loading up with some more help on the defensive side of the ball. So, there, I mean, a lot happened at the trade deadline. And, uh, honestly, when I woke up to that, I, I was shocked. So... That 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 was a that was a good call uh, for you there, Jonathan. I mean, so many moves were made at the deadline. It was it was crazy, and then, I mean, Hawkinson to Detroit. J- Jeff Wilson was traded away as a result of CMC br- being brought in, and then because Jeff Wilson went to Miami, they just traded away Chase Edmonds as part of the the Bradley Chubb deal. I mean. It was just trades galore. Felt like a, felt like a, a, a honestly a Madden sim at one point. But Betty. I think that is going to do it for this episode. So for Jonathan and DS, we will see you next time. Fuck Duke. Damn it. <laughs>